Hello and welcome back to The Treatment Table, the podcast where we chat to professionals in all fields of sports science and sports performance. I'm here with my co-host, Ben. Hello. Uh, our other co-host is on a business trip. Uh, we are recording these back-to-back, so he should be here for the next one. It's just we've just got two guests on on the same day. But Ben, how are you, mate, anyway? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Uh, been a uh, fairly slow week for me, but not too bad. Uh, one thing that hasn't been slow is Haaland's goal-scoring record. That has gone from height to height, and he's now the new top goal scorer ever in the Premier League. Yeah, the be- uh, he's beat, he's beat uh, Shearer's record, and uh, it was it. Uh, was it Carlton Cole as well? I, I think, think so, yeah. And he's done it, what, in a 38 game? We didn't even need the 38 games, did he? Four or five games yeah, left, something like that. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, what he can do in his profession is unreal. And uh, so we've had, over the past few podcasts, we've had a university sports uh, physio at Hallam, which was Ben's podcast. We've had a uh, sports athlete, uh, which was uh, Owen's podcast, talk about their aspects of physiotherapy. But today we have a different perspective and one through the eyes of a 10-year physio uh, who co-founded a company, Gary Coleman. So um, how are you today, Gary? Yeah, all good. It's um, it's my virtual day today, so it's uh, it's not as heavy as a face-to-face day, which is good. So yeah, no, can't complain. Uh, I mean, we've been having technical issues all day, but luckily we've got this one. We had one a minute ago. It's all started. We've got it all sorted. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully oh, this one works all right. Man. Yeah, my awesome. my first question would be, um, why did you become a physio? Like, what attracted you to that uh, sort of like line of work? It's a good question, mate. Um, so it's a bit of a long story. So if you've got the time. so Yeah, we, we've got time. We've got time for it. <laughs> nice. So essentially, I didn't start off wanting to be a physio. Um, I thought I wanted to be a PE teacher. Um, and then I went and I did my first degree in sports performance. Um, and then I quickly realized I didn't want to be a teacher. Um, but I was competing at a pretty good level in athletics um, and I had a couple of injuries myself and I actually saw a physio and that kind of sparked it off for me really Um, and essentially it was kind of the anatomy and rehab really and that kind of led me down the path of starting out and you know before I was a physio I actually worked as a physiotherapy assistant um, or technician I did that for a little while and then led me into where I am now. Yeah, um, I saw on your uh, career thing, it says um, that you are MSK physiotherapist and a GRC physio. For I have no clue what either of them would be, and I'm guessing the audience don't as well. So could you explain about what that kind of is? Yeah, sure. So essentially when you um, train to be a physio, you obviously get the broad speciality. So MSK, which stands for musculoskeletal, um, and then neurorespiratory. So essentially, that's just my specialism. That's what I've chosen to go down into. Um, so I'm a musculoskeletal physiotherapist, which essentially just means a physio that deals with muscles, joints, nerves, um, yeah. which we all do, but a little bit more specific into outpatients, which lines up with things like injuries um, and things along those lines. So, for example, if you were you know, to have a bit of a, an Achilles injury or you were to have an operation, an MSK physio will likely be treating you from that perspective. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And then GRC is just an abbreviation for a side business that I have. So that yeah. is just a, a business of mine, which we do privately. 
Yeah. Um, with them, you have like so many different injuries. Like you said, you have Achilles, you have torn quadriceps. Like, what would the like treatment? How does it vary? So, like this on severity and different injuries. Yeah, I think that's a really good question, and I think we could probably use the whole session just talking about that <laughs> if we have time. Um, but essentially, it kind of there isn't too much of a difference of the injury. For example, an Achilles strain is much the same as a quadriceps strain, much the same as a hamstring strain. Our, te- our muscles and tendons typically heal about three weeks, there or thereabouts, um, but from a perspective of how they differ, depends very much on that individual. So, yeah. for example, you know, from a healing perspective, what do they need to get back to? Are they a higher level athlete? Are they a person who works in an office? Are they a student? Are they someone who's quite physical? So those are kind of the factors, I guess, from my perspective, matched on top of the different gradings. So there's different gradings of injury as well. So from a strain perspective, we're kind of looking at, Grade one, grade two, and grade three. Yeah. Grade one being kind of, oh, I think I pulled something there. Not really much bruising, redness, swelling compared to, to grade three, which is full rupture, near enough, cannot move, real decreased function. Yeah. So I had an injury with uh, football. I did my crucial ligament. And with that, I just did squats and lunges most of the time to get back to it. Uh, what equipment do you use? Because I heard that there is equipment, but I didn't end up using any. It was more just using my body weight and then some weights when I got but like more physical like capability of it. Is there actually any equipment that you can use? There is, yeah. I mean, essentially from an ACL perspective, so I've rehabbed a few of those myself, um, and realistically it's very much protocol-driven, as I'm sure you know. Um, yes. and, and as you move through, you're kind of, football you said yeah yeah I did mine in football yeah yeah so your obviously your background is very much a a sudden change of direction needing to do the plyometric side of things so I think that's probably where maybe especially in the NHS because of time the rehab can sometimes lack because you maybe don't have the sessions Um, whereas most of the ACL rehab I've been quite fortunate where I've been able to have the sessions to move all the way back up to return to sport most of the time, it, you know, if it's not an accelerated ACL rehab, then it will be about nine months training and then 12 months return to sport. But specifically yeah. with regards to the equipment in the NHS, there isn't too much specific equipment when it comes to things like, you know, just a standard gym equipment is, is enough, in my opinion. You just have to become quite experimental with it for that person and what they need to do. But there are pieces of equipment that, for example, test um, both-sided strength from an objective perspective. Yeah. So, like, how, how is their power single leg? How is their power from a hamstring perspective? I don't know the specific names for it, but I know there is equipment like that. Yeah, yeah. mine was a long, like, it was meant to be a long uh, get-back-to-healing process, but with the NHS, it was straight in straight out and it was during the covid so it was a, a lot of virtual wow. as well so it was it was hard to keep up with it but um how long would you say then for like some injuries like pick a few injuries and how long would they take to rehab like comparing different injuries together yeah so if we start with acl just because we've we've finished off yeah. on that 
in terms of <clears throat> so from a, let's just say a, a generic ACL what you have to be really careful of is someone like yourself and I'm not saying you specifically but someone like yourself is into football I imagine you wanted to get back to football yeah. as soon as you possibly could I messed up I went straight back in and redid it so I yeah I can see where you could I went in within three four weeks of going oh I can kind of run on it again and went straight and did did it even worse again. And then it took me a good six, seven months to get back to any even like any walking properly. It took me a good long yeah. time. I, yeah, I thought so... I could run on it and I went I went and so it was How is it now out of interest? Uh not very good. It's no it's, yeah. I've been I've been told that I can't properly, properly play a load of football because it's fully yeah. gone. I rushed back in way, way too quick. Well wait, I went, oh I can run on it. I can go, but it it didn't yeah. go to plan. So is it is it now still ruptured? Then I take it they haven't gone back in and uh, no, it. it's it's walk run. I can do everything on it. It's just if I do too much, it it go it gives out a bit. You feel it, yeah? No, absolutely. So yeah, I was about to say you're not the only one. Um, and I think uh the the main. So essentially, it's nine months till you get back into training, and then it's twelve months, generally speaking, before. And even then, I'm very much like, well, we will need to grade this and be very sensible with it. But in terms of recovery, what impacts? I think the person, from a really significant perspective, is they want to get back into things. And the problem with an ACL reconstruction is it takes a long time. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of factors as as you've experienced where you know you want to get back into it. I could kind of run and walk on it. The amount of times that people will for example, I had a my most recent ACL rehab um where he stuck to to what I was saying. He wasn't too happy with how, you know, uh, he, he felt like we were kind of holding him back a little bit. But then he spoke to his friend who had this, a similar and went back after six months and a bit like with your situation, yeah. he ruptured it. Again. Um, whereas this chap, chap did generally kind of keep it there and, and carry on with it. Um, and it, in all intents and purposes, he's kind of back playing now, which is, which is quite good. Um, but so from an ACL perspective, nine months, 12 months, and even then 12 months, you still might get a little bit of pain here and there. It's a long process. Um, in terms of, your kind of muscle strain, so you know, quadriceps strain, hamstring strain, Achilles strain. You're probably looking at more like three weeks initially, but you might still have sensitization and you might still have pain for up to six to eight weeks after. Um, so that's probably how they differ to a certain extent yeah. in my professional opinion. So it's quite significant, especially with the cruciate compared to just the muscle strains. Yeah, you said uh, you've worked ish like a bit with sport. Do you get many sport people coming in then, or is it more like, oh, I've just had surgery, I'll go to a physio, or is it a, oh, come to this physio, he can do this, and it's football or it's rugby people coming in. Yeah, so in so at the moment I I've I've progressed further, so I now work in primary care. Um, so essentially. I just work in the same department as GPs. So I'm very much first contact. So I don't so much do that anymore. But if we're talking about an MSK outpatients department, which is normally yeah. where you see that, 
you'll get a range and it all depends on the demographic that you're in. So in other words, if you're in a place that's quite elderly, you're probably not going to see as much sport. Whereas if you're in a place like Bristol, it's completely varied. So you in the NHS will see surgery, knee replacements, hip replacements, ACLs, uh, tendon ruptures. You will also see people who have come through the NHS who do play sport and want to get, but then privately you'll maybe get more people who are like, actually I want to go to someone who has a particular interest in this area or, Oh yeah, I actually, I know that he's worked in sport. I know that he's got a bit of a sport background. I'll go there privately. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it more depends on how they are or what line you're in. So if you're in, like you said, the elderly, you're not going to get some 22 year old that's just done his, legging playing football and stuff like that is depending on demographics so depending on the area yeah do you have a question for him uh yeah um obviously we're more centered around sport football mainly um you see a lot of head trauma um injuries in that do you have to deal with any of those no so my my so my partner, she's a physio as well. So she does the sport. So that's the that's the difference. The weekend, so a lot of football will deal with more concussion based. So she does a she does a lot more with that. So I'm speaking without as much experience as yeah. my own kind of what I'm doing, but there's been some new legislation that I believe and don't completely quote me here, but I think from the age of eighteen and under now, any head injury you have they ha- you have to go through a, a pro forma, which okay. then brings out specific questions, which you guys might might already know. Yeah, we were um, speaking to our last guy about it, and he was on about uh, the, there's ten questions you've got to ask, and then you got to do this and this and this. And we just didn't know if you knew anything on that as well with it. No, not that, that's something I've I've got limited knowledge in really. Um, the only thing I know from that perspective is. Some of the questions, because I've I've seen it, and I've I've some of the questions I I scratch my head and I think, well, I haven't had a head injury. They're actually quite hard to answer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm there thinking, oh, I'd, I'd probably score a couple of points on there. <laughs> yeah, we it, we get confused because the lad came up and said he's dealt with the head injuries, and we just looked at each other a bit, gone out because we thought I always thought physio was just muscles, but then you saying earlier MSK is only muscles, meaning there is a different type of physio, which. I didn't even know that there was. I thought it was just all muscles. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and I think, I, I know this is, you know, about sport and things like that, but it's, it's worth highlighting that, especially in that regard that I said about the psychological, actually physios, we kind of get given the whole, yeah, muscles, joints, nerves, and that's it. But if we think about the human body and we think about a person as themselves, there's a lot of psychology, there's a lot of social impact. So we're we're actually... And a lot of our course is, is in built into it is the what's called the biopsychosocial model, which yeah. is essentially a model which encompasses all of those aspects together. And that would be in sport as well, you know, especially psychological yeah. and social, like I was saying. With with that the psycho psychological there you go, got it out, uh, part. Um have you had to deal with like someone going, I don't want to do this, can I skip five levels? and like just trying straight lifts like with the leg and how do you deal with that 
Yeah, it's a really good question. So to answer your question, yes, definitely, um, on a whole lot of different levels. And I think how I deal with it now is I'm open and honest, and I think reflecting on how my practice used to be when I first qualified, I think I was very much like, well, no, this is how it is, and I was very much me to them. And naturally, I'd get a bad response because I think, understandably, that person doesn't probably doesn't realize so they think yeah but no i feel good and and then all i'm doing is shooting them down so yeah. the way that i kind of deal with it now is very much like completely fair enough i get it you know you know your own body however would you allow me to give you some time as to to what i've seen and what could potentially happen if that's all right with you yeah. so it's very much rather than a didactic approach it's very much well actually let's work together let me show you i can't force you you, you can essentially do what you want but these are the impacts and this is actually for how long it can take as extra recovery, such as an ACL that's gone or such as a, a, another, another strain grade three. And I think from that perspective, most of the time, a lot of people go, Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't realize that if I do that, actually, this is going to set me back even more and then I'm going to get even more unfit and then I need to get back and then potentially, you know, from a psychological standpoint, I'm then getting even, you know, I'm getting down. I can't do my training. I can't do my sport. So that's how I would deal with it, really. Yeah, that was my issue. Was yeah. I was 11. I just wanted to go straight back out. I ran. I could. I went. Oh, I can move. And then I planted my foot one way. Tried to turn one, and I was. Just, I, mm. It. It went again, and it was just all whole load of hassle again. But uh, touching back on your start of your career, was um, you said you didn't start as a physio. How did you get into going, uh, like you said, oh, I've had a few injuries and stuff, and you went to uni. How long was your course? What course did you take? Was it just a physio course? Yeah, so I started off, um, because to be honest with you, I didn't have the uh, like GCSEs and I didn't have the um, knowledge or, uh, you know, grades, shall we say, to, to get yeah. into physio, first of all. So I I think I said I, I competed to a fairly high standard so it allowed me to get into university. I still needed the grades, but it allowed me to get into university that way yeah. and then get the points. And then simultaneously, I was able to have a, a sports performance background that's helped me in physio. But part of the aspect, part of the reasons for it is to go into... So I did nurse assistant work and then I did physio assistant work. And it's almost like a, a bit of a ladder, really, which which people don't need to do. So if you get, in, if you get the A-levels, good enough A-levels, have a bit of experience or not you can get into you can get into physio but how i did it which is another way which actually massively helps from uh from a study and perspective especially on on physio placements is nurse assistant did that in a hospital and then physio um and i worked on stroke rehab so i didn't really do um anything like musculoskeletal until i qualified but i had a bit of knowledge through the sports performance and being an athlete myself at the time, and then rehabbing my hamstring because it was my hamstring yeah. that went twice, <laughs> kind of gave me a bit, uh, I guess, a bit of a head start, if you like. Yeah, um, you said uh, about skeletal, and how would you fit like be a do physio for uh, bones because it, it's all attached, it's muscle to bone and all that. But how would you rehab a skeletal like your skeletal body? Very good question. So. If we're looking at a perspective of a fracture, for example, 
there isn't really anything there that we need to rehab because it's just time first of all from a safety perspective but let's for example let's for example let's say we've got we've got a fractured head of humerus so this area up here how we're rehabbing that is allowing for the time but a lot of people will maybe be in a sling yeah so they'll be like this so from this perspective down this is all okay so we're keeping sure that the muscles and the nerves are working as they are so we're rehabbing that whilst this is healing or any fracture is healing and then once it's healed we're getting people back so the musculoskeletal system and i say this to patients and clients we in healthcare including msk settings sports settings we have this focus of saying right you've injured this and this this is the the root cause but the way that i see it is actually the the joint supply support for the muscle the muscle moves the joint and the nerve goes through so most yeah. of the time it works as a rule of three there isn't really one thing in, in my opinion so there's that side of things if we think about the bone itself from a bone density perspective it's constantly regenerating what helps with that exercise weight bearing activity yeah. strengthening biometrics so we rehab in that perspective as well so it's very much know what the injury is and try and tailor make it to what's happened and like figuring out oh this person can do that as well it's like working around like you said psychologically around everything just bang on you should be a physio mate look at that. i've got a different course we're all sorted uh my last question i don't know if you'll have one in a minute but we've said the skeletal and the muscular how about dislocations do they take a bit of a different term because I know through my dad who dislocated his shoulder that he, you can't lift much at the start and stuff. I don't know how you would tailor make it to that, to be fair. Yeah, no, it's a good question. So generally speaking, in terms of protocol, the protocol is there isn't, as far as I'm aware, one specific protocol for dislocations. Most of the time you want to avoid from obviously lifting overhead, a bit like what you're, what you're saying with your yeah. dad there. Approximately six weeks, and then from that point, you can gradually get back into things. So, from a dislocation perspective, it's very similar to treating, say, for example, a fracture, but it's a little bit more relaxed in terms of the protocol. But how I would do it is treat it very similar. So, six weeks, keep things moving, keep the area moving, and then gradually increase, gradually, you know, build back up the reps, things on those nines. What you also have to be mindful of with a dislocation, more so than other injuries to a certain extent, is if we take the shoulder, dislocation or subluxation, which is kind of like the best way to describe it, is a partial dislocation, yeah. sort of, is if you stretch the area, especially at the shoulder, there's an area called the brachial plexus, which comes out and it spreads out into different nerves. So we will normally stretch that nerve. So people with dislocations can sometimes have really bad nerve pain. I don't know if your, you know, your dad had that yeah. or if he had symptoms going down into his hands. So from that perspective, it's a good amount of education to say, yes, you probably will have a little bit of neural symptoms. The nerve's been stretched. As long as there isn't any safety features, we just have to like rehab it, keep it moving, things like that. Yeah, so it's, it's basically like you said, it's... Uh, working on the pain first and then just working out how to get it back to full strength. 
do you have any yeah, last questions line, then? With their goals. Uh, I think I'm I've learned a lot. I don't, exactly, I don't know. yeah. Thank you very much yeah. as well, mate, for that. Um that's all right. We've all no learned a lot. I hope I wasn't banging on. No, 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 We've all learned a lot. That's basically found it really interesting. Yeah. yeah. But nice. thank you very much for that as well, mate. So No worries. Uh, no worries at all. Cheers. Thank you again, Gary, uh, for coming on to the episode. Uh, I've certainly learned a lot. I know better my co-host Ben has, and uh, a lot about the different aspects of physiotherapy and what we don't know behind the scenes. Thank you, uh, everyone, for listening at home again. We'll be back with another episode next week. Uh, make sure to follow us on our socials for updates. Uh, that will be Twitter at underscore treatment table and Instagram at the treatment table. Uh, and thanks, Ben. Uh, for being my co-host and uh, Mitchell we hope you get back safe from your business trip Uh, that's all from us guys see you again next week bye